Hello everybody and welcome to this week's official Everton podcast. I'm Darren Griffiths, I'm at USM Finch Farm with Ian Snowden and one of our academy coaches, Keith Southern, who's completed the full journey from <laughs> academy kid yeah. to academy coach. Glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, delighted Darren, yeah. Um, came about pretty quickly, but 15 years after walking out the door as a player, delighted to be back as a, as a coach now. The amount of times over the years you and I have spoken and how, how much we enjoy seeing lads who get released bouncing back, the ones with the desire to make a career out of professional football, bounce back. Daz, it's, it's the biggest disappointment any young kid can have when they're released from a football club at 16, 18, even as a young pro, to get released, but then to bounce back and play league football. All right, you might not go and play Premier League football, but play league football. You've got to have something special because it's a massive heartbreak when, when a club tells you you're not wanted. And uh, to go and prove people wrong, like Keith has done and like many other players have done, it shows you've got a bit about you. And you were part of the Blackpool team that actually made it to the Premier League as well. Yeah, I had 10 years there. Um, great, great time. Started in League One, had a couple of promotions at Wembley. Um, so, yeah, seen the rise uh, of Blackpool. I got out just in time before <laughs> seeing the fall. Um, but yeah, some really good times, you know, and, and as Snod said, you know, not everybody can play in this first team, it's a fact mm. of life, you know, I wasn't good enough, but that doesn't mean your football stops, the world doesn't stop, you have to find another route, have to find another way, and fortunately, um, you know, the club just an hour up the road, Steve McMahon took me on loan initially, and um, ten years later, you know, I was still there and I had a testimonial, you know, David Moyes was kind enough to bring an Everton side over, and um, I moved on after that again, so yeah, I had a really good time. Played over 400 games in the football league, and, and that to me was success. You know, although the disappointment you don't make it at the the club that you, you had hopes and dreams initially at, can you make it somewhere else? And thankfully, I did. By your accent, you're not a local boy, Keith. How come you ended up at Everton as a kid in the first place? Um, yeah, it was a strange one, really. I was at um, I was at Leeds United as a schoolboy, um, a team not too far away from from Snod's homeland. <laughs> Very close to his heart as well. <laughs> and. Um, it was my brother, who was three years younger than me, um, but was actually at Everton. Uh, they were really keen on him, if the truth be known, not, <laughs> not me. And he was a better player when we were kids, really. And um, obviously, the time was coming where me, I think my dad had one eye on where Robert, my brother, was going to be in three years' time. And um, things were unsettled at Leeds. Um, I was offered a scholarship, like a YTS, back in those days. But my dad kind of threw it into um, Ray Hall and, and Neil Jewsnip at the time. You know, would you have a look at Keith? And obviously, I think more was to do with Robert, you know, hopefully putting pen to paper. But yeah, they came and watched me and they offered me a, a YTS, which, um, you know, I came and never looked back, really. I had uh, five great years. My brother followed me down. It didn't work out for him, but that's the way that's the way it kind of happened. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of sibling alongside you, is there? Well, my brother the was three years older than me and, uh, as, <coughs> as he said, it, there were YTSs then and I were, I were 14. I was living in Rotherham. Glyn were already at Doncaster, he was just got into the first team at 17 and then the school holidays came and uh, Glyn just turned around to the U team manager and said can I bring my younger brother in to train uh, during the school holidays. I went in training for 12 months in the school holidays and all of a sudden I got offered a YTS so yeah if it weren't for Glyn saying can my younger brother come in and train probably I wouldn't have got there either at Donny but uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic when, you, when you've got a younger brother or older brother as mm. well to look up to. You always want to be better than him. <laughs> and I, I did that with Glenn. I always, I always felt 
I want to be better than him, I want to achieve more than him. And it gives you that little goal, even though he's a fantastic kid, I, I love him to this day. Um, he's had a good career himself, good one in management, but he still hasn't won a league championship. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it must have helped both of you because you, you're both from the North East and at a young age you had to relocate to the Merseyside area. So having each other, even though there was a bit of an age gap, Keith, must have been hugely beneficial. Yeah, it's And it probably relaxed your mum and dad as well. Yeah, it softened the blow, I think, because, you know, you know, two brothers or three brothers, they're never the same personality. I was the older one, I was probably the harder, tougher, street rise one. Robert was more the home bird, you know what I mean, Darren? Mm. So they were probably more trying to protect him. Um, and it's funny because he was the better player then and he, he couldn't make that transition from a boy to a man. He struggled and then I probably adapted better to him and obviously went on to have a, have a career in the game and he never. So it's strange the way things work out, but um, yeah, it definitely helps you through, I think, you know, the... The, um, the boredom, you know, sometimes, and um, after training, you know, the times when you're away from, ho you know, home, and and, and sick homesickness can kick in. But when you've got your your mate or your brother with you, you know, it, it helps with that definitely. Who coached you while you were at Everton, Keith? Uh, Colin Harvey was there. How did you find him? Tough. Tough. Yeah, yeah, he was. Tough love, but uh, kind of mm. got on really well with Colin because he liked grafters, he liked yeah. hard work. So never ever had a problem with them, you know. Um, others did, you know, because they couldn't fit into the model that he wanted, and that's you know to the detriment of them because they're out the game now, you mm. know. So, you know, ex-player, legend at the club, Colin. So I was looked up to him. He was a midfield player as well. Everything I wanted to be really, um, and um, yeah, you, you try and pick bits off of many people, but yeah, certainly he was the biggest influence when I came to Everton because. He, he drove into us, us all, you know, that intensity you have to train at and that mindset to get where you need to get to, you know, and it's probably lacking a little bit now in the modern game. Uh, obviously, football moves on, you know, in lots of ways, but, you know, that, that intensity that Colin, you know, drove home every day was, was vital in my development, I, thought, I felt. Does so, he even you're not, so you're nodding your head in agreement? He even scares me to this day, Colin. <laughs> I go up to uh, the Dixie Dean Lounge where he's in and, like, Hey, Colin, how are you? <laughs> Still reluctant to talk to you. But yeah, I went from, from Everton, I knew what he was like, and, and Keith's right. The intensity that Colin wanted in training every day, you had to be on top form and you had to work exceptionally hard because he would spot it a mile and he would bellow your name and get on with it. But then I went to Oldham, I was 32, 31, 32. And Colin were assistant to Sharpie, and I went there, and he was still giving it in, me in the neck at 31, 32. So no matter what age you are, whether you're a young lad like Keith were when Colin were in charge of them, or whether you were a senior pro, you got it off Colin Harvey, and I respect that. I, 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 and if I'd have listened to him a little bit more, perhaps I might have carried on a couple of years more as really? well playing. Yeah, I do believe in that. I always heard that Colin was harder on the players he believed had a chance. Is that right? Possibly, yeah. Um, he treated everybody, you know, really, really fairly and with dis with respect. But the second that didn't, he felt he didn't get it back. You know, mm. that's when you knew you were in trouble. Um, he pushed you to the limit every single day, and that work ethic was drilled into you. Did you ever get a rollicking off him? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, nothing major, but it was all you're not working hard enough. Midfield players are running off the back of you. Wasn't as nicely as put as that. <laughs> it was <laughs> get your ass in gear, um, or you're coming off. Yeah. Um, but you know the messages were loud and clear, and you either did it and you you got on with it, and you become a better player and a better person because of it, or you fell by the wayside, which many did, unfortunately. Did you ever get a rollicking oh. with Colin Harvey? And bear in mind, this is only a fifteen-minute podcast. Right? I I had one month solid because I'd been injured 
towards the end of last season, uh, the season before, and I never came back early pre-season. We just got when the pros were due back. I came back with them all at the same time, and I'd been out a couple of months. I'd put weight on over the summer, and he expected me to come in, which I should have done. Any pro does. If you've been injured the season before, you come in two or three weeks early, so you're up to speed when the when the pros come back and your fellow professionals. Got I didn't. I came back on the day. Everybody else arrived, and I must have been ten pound overweight. Wow! I got it for a month. He wouldn't play me. Every little thing. I had my shirt. There were sixteen players doing a twelve-minute run round Belfield, and every one of us, it were baking hot. Everyone had the shirt out, had the shorts, the training tops. He shouted one name, and it were me. <laughs> <laughs> and Ratters and Sharpie were going, "Oh my God, he's got it in for you!" <laughs> for four weeks, does he gave it me? He hammered me until I got fit. And then we start playing pre-season games, mm. and then. But as you said, if they didn't care, mm. they'd leave you alone. Mm. And Billy Bremner were exactly the same with me as a 16-year-old kid. There were some apprentices there that he didn't really bother with, uh, and for some reason he seemed to be on on my back, and, and and on a couple of young players' backs. And I'm thinking, why is he picking on us? Mm. We were 16. Why is he picking on us all the time? And then it weren't until he told us a couple of years later. He said, look. He said, the reason I could see something in you and I didn't want to lose you as players. Mm. He said, and that's why I picked on you so much. Leeds United, Keith, anybody that you trained with or play with at Leeds United make it in the game? Yeah, um, my age group was Alan Smith. Oh, right, okay. Um, and the, and the, the, the lads a year older than me, I think, won the Youth Cup that year. It was like Sir Steve Macfield, Jonathan Woodgate, Robinson. Mm. Good um, youth team, that wasn't so it? Yeah, those days. excellent. Paul Hart was probably, he was in charge. He was mm. probably similar yeah. to Colin. Yeah. In terms of his mindset and his discipline, he was a Blackpool as well, wasn't he? Yeah, as a player. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I left Leeds and went to Everton. So I probably couldn't, you know, either or. If I went to Leeds, I was going to get a good mentor or a good coach in, in Paul Art. And likewise with Colin, you know, the um, the few and far between. I think nowadays, you know, that um, old school mentality. Mm. I know things move on in football, does, but. You know, things will never change as, as long as the game exists, as, as hard work and doing the right things, preparing right, and, and, and those are the things those coaches back then drilled into you. Did you see the end coming at Everton Football Club? Was it a devastating blow or towards the end of the season did you think to yourself, I'm probably going to have to look elsewhere here? Yeah, I, I was realistic, there. Darren. You know, no, I didn't need um, a weatherman to tell me when it was mm. peeing down, really, as, <laughs> as politely as I've just put <laughs> that like, but... I did my ACL, which you know, you know, with Leon, um, we had some time out the game together, and I was 20, 21. I'd not played in the first team, so you know, time's ticking. You know, you, you get that extended period back then, or we did because we had a successful youth team, we had a su successful reserve team, we ended up winning the Pontons League, so that buys you a year probably. But mm. are you really going to make it in the first team? Probably not. Um, and then when I did my knee, that was the, probably the realization that I needed to get out, I needed to play, I needed that push. I had a year left on my contract when um, when Moisey came in and um, he offered me the chance to go to Blackpool. I jumped at it, I was 21, I needed to play. had three months, loved it. And, um, you know, I probably did well enough to stay, but not well enough to get back in the fold here, which yeah. was fine. And I wanted to leave, I wanted to go. You know, I loved my time at Everton, probably the best time in my life back then, but you've got to make a career, you've got to stand on your own two feet in the, in the big wide world of the Football League, and, and that's what I did. That's like, I love that. Yeah. When a young kid at 20, 21 says, I want to go and play. Hmm. Because now, I don't think there's... If, you, if you're not playing, if you've got a comfortable life at a football club, you're getting well paid, you're not getting a team, you're playing 23s. Some would rather play 23s than go out and play league football. So I think it's a breath of fresh air when a kid goes, no, 
what a club. This is, mm. in my eyes, the best club in the world. I have no question about it. But I'm biased. But for somebody not to want to leave this club and not go and play football, then mm. for me, no. You've got to, you've got to leave. You've got to leave, you've got to go and play league football, you've got to go and play in front of crowds, paying public that are going to give you a bit of stick. Here, playing 23 football, you're in a comfort zone. It's a big world out yeah. there, go out and play. And it's a short career, thing, it is. isn't it? You know, before, you know, in the blink of an eye, you know, you're 28, 29, mm. and you're looking at life beyond football, really, or you should be, mm. maybe some don't, but yeah, it's so short, you have, to, uh, you have to grasp that opportunity. You know, you get a window, don't you, as they say, and you have to play as many games as you can, really, and obviously, you know, make as much money as you mm. can, you know, because ultimately that's, it's your profession, it's your li livelihood and your family you've got to provide Correct. for, so if that means moving away from a club like Everton, so be it. Somebody who I know shares that same work ethic is Seamus Coleman, and you came across Seamus when he went on loan from Everton to Blackpool. Did he yeah. stand out then as somebody that was going to play in the Premier League regularly and captain his country? Um, <clears throat> probably in the initial week to ten days of training and seeing him, probably not, if I'm being honest. What I found was just a lovely, humble lad that was willing to learn and mm. get better. He was coming off the back of a really bad toe injury, I think, yeah. um, and he was really uncertain what the future lay in store for him, you know, where he was going to be. Um, and Blackpool rebuilt his confidence, gave him an opportunity to play at a really, really good level week in, week out. And he just went from, you know, he went these performances and his standards just went through the roof. And by the time he's, he, we played at Wembley in the playoff final 2010, after that game, you know, if you'd asked me that question, then this boy will play in the Premier League. This yeah. boy will play captain his country. He can do anything. He, he was outstanding, but not the initial first couple of weeks of seeing him. Maybe his self-esteem was low. He hadn't played much football. His fitness wasn't great. But by the end of it, the end of the six-month or five-month period he had, he was flying, and, and he deserves everything he, he gets and he's got because he's such a such a lovely lad as well. Can't speak highly enough of him, can you? No, he's fantastic. I love doing things with Seamus out in the community. Mm. Uh, we, we've got a special affinity with the Down Syndrome party, especially mm. me and Seamus. When, when anything there's to do with the Down Syndrome, me and Seamus always seem to be on that. He's a, he's a fantastic boy, uh, and that's fantastic for his parents. Uh, that's down to them for his upbringing. Uh, but he just conducts himself perfectly wherever he is, whether he's amongst fans, whether he's here with the first team, and, but I know his will to win now does, um, he's exceptional and he is captain material, there's no question about it, he's captain material of this football club, um, he's internationally cap, uh, captain now, so uh, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of him, he's a, he's a fantastic player, plays in the right back position where I played, played for Everton and uh, yeah, I think he's the, probably the second best right back to have played for Everton in, in the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Tony Hibbert weren't bad, was yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. Tony Hibbert, Paul Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> just finally, Keith, before we let you go, I know you've got a training session to put on. Just bring us up to date with what you're up to at uh, USM Finch Farm. Yeah, I've been re really fortunate. Um, just I finished playing two, two and a half years ago and through obviously Phil Jevons, who I kept in touch with. Other, other people as well from when I was in the youth academy here. Um, I got an opportunity to come in in the summer, just watch some sessions, you know, get involved, be around the place, just through my own back really because I wanted to learn, I'm doing my badges and then Sean very kindly asked if I'd be interested in getting in part time, you know, and helping some age groups, I've done that. And um, fortunately for me, I found myself in a very, very good position of, of helping Paul Tate with the under 18s as well as, you know, working with all the other age groups. So. It's worked out, you know, quicker and, and, and far better than I ever could have imagined, and, I, and I'm delighted to be here.
How do you work the luck you get, Snods? It is, yeah. He's not stopped working hard and uh, that's a credit to himself and that's why he'll be successful at coaching as well. It's been a lovely conversation, but again, we've run out of time. Thank you very much to Keith Southern and to Ian Snowden and thank you for listening. It's been the official Everton podcast.